are wiser people today. We're wiser people. God is making us wise. What's the greatest thing? We can come out of 2008. Wisdom. I believe that. That that as a Lord shows his hand strong and shows his blessing on our lives and our church, we will handle his blessing with new perspective and new wisdom. And there's so many good things God has for us. A few weeks ago, Kent Henry came and, and spoke to our church. I listened to the sermon again, and Kent is uh, such a fun person to listen to. He is everywhere. It's like, woo, woo, wow, over there. Um, but I really feel like he communicated the heart of God for our church. And I was really touched personally. And he proclaimed some things over us that I personally feel from God, without going into all the details, there were certain vocabulary and words that he said that God had can't say that the Lord had already spoken to me. And so those came together in just a beautiful expression of what I believe he's speaking to our church. And he said there's three kinds of rain coming, rains coming to our church. The anointing rain, the healing rain, and the cleansing rain. And Praise God. He said there's a there's a three-year window, and that's significant to me, a three-year gateway opening where we'd be called highly blessed and favored of the Lord. And so we have a choice to either believe and receive or we can just disregard. You know, because God's always wanting to do something new and fresh. I mean, we, we always, we, we, you know, when we say, God, move. God, fall. God, do something. We're not trying to convince God of something. You know, he, He's already on board. We're trying to prepare ourselves. When we cry out to God, when we ask God to move, when we want God, He will move exactly to the level that we want Him to. He wants to show Himself strong in our lives. He wants to be near. He wants to be present. And today and this Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about the anointing rain and what I believe that means and how God can touch us. And uh, we talked a little bit about this. If you want to take your bulletin at the back, there's a place for you to take notes if you, you want just to organize what we're doing. And earlier in the year, uh, on a Wednesday night, I talked about the river of God. And, and there's a couple of things I said at that time that we're going to reiterate again. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Water is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. There's also fire and wind. The Holy Spirit is symbolized in all kinds of ways. And I think God does that because God always uses natural elements to help explain the supernatural. Our finite minds can't grasp the ways of God. We can't get our mind around the things of God. So God uses natural things to explain what he's doing. And I find it interesting that in Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning in verse 2, it says, The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I just thought that was such an interesting connection that before earth was even created, the Spirit just likes water. We don't know why, but it's the truth. Isaiah 44, verse 3. I love this. God said, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams 
on the dry ground. Now, what is this water? What are the streams? He goes on to explain. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. God said, I'm going to send my rain. I'm going to send my blessing. And then he tells us what that rain is. It is the spirit of God. In John 7, and I always love when I speak to go to the Gospels. You know, I like to, when I'm right on reading my Bible, as I should, I love to read something out of the Gospels every week. So so whenever I preach a sermon and I don't have a Gospel reference, I'm like, oh man, I missed that. I love hearing what Jesus said. In John chapter 7, starting in verse 37, on the last, we're in verse 37, I know many of you open your Bibles to that. John chapter 7, on the last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, I'm in verse 37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Again, isn't that a great word picture? That when we believe in Jesus, there's streams of living water flowing us. Now, what is that stream? What is that stream? It sounds poetic and wonderful. and It's a great word picture. Look at verse 39. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Psalm 72 is a messianic psalm, and it's talking about projecting who the Messiah would be. In verse 6 says this, I love this, He will be like rain falling on a moan field, like showers watering the earth. So, Anointing rain. I want to talk to you today about characteristics of rain and what rain is. And, and sometimes we uh, are limited by our vocabulary, and our vocabulary sometimes takes on a different meaning. And when you start talking about river and rain and things like that, maybe some people will get nervous because they're thinking they associate it with some kind of historical context. And if that's not you, don't even worry about what I'm saying. But there's different kinds of of labels that have been given to moves of God, calling it this kind of rain or that kind of rain or this kind of stream, that kind of river. And all of a sudden we begin to associate that phraseology with certain preachers or, or certain movements or certain decades. But let's go back to the word because the word's clear that that in these verses, the rain, the water, as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we talk a lot sometimes, those of us in theology and church development, we're talking about, you know, does God move in a process or an experience? The answer to that is both. He does both. Some of us are very experientially based. And so we want God to always move right here in this service and in this, this altar or this time period. And there's validity to that. There is. I mean, I, I think God is something to experience. The argument would be, well, I don't want to get emotional. Why not? We get emotional about everything else. We get emotional about football and about the Christmas gift we open and emotional about everything. Uh, dealing with our emotions is a multi-billion dollar industry that we're paying people to help us manage our emotions. And so what's wrong with getting emotional at church? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing weak about that. If the Spirit of God touches you and it's, there's an emotional reaction, it's okay. It's not bad. It's fine. But for other people, he moves in a process. And you might be 
deeply moved and it, it doesn't express itself on the outside. When I'm talking about the reign of God, I'm not talking about an experience. I'm not talking about anything. I'm talking about a person. We say we want the reign of God. We want the anointing reign. We want God to move fresh. We're not trying to mimic something, duplicate something, manipulate something. We're not trying to go back to the 70s or 80s or 90s. We are seeking Him. Him. That's what anointing reign is. It is Him. If you're taking notes, write it down. I'm not talking... The, the rain is not talking about an experience, though experiences aren't bad, but a presence. That's why, you know, believe it or not, even though I'm, I'm married to Beth, we didn't really coordinate the worship list and the, the sermon, and she picked that last song, and I'm like, that's going to work. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Let it rain. Let it rain your spirit. We are not going to avoid because of our past experiences. You know, you know, we tend to run away from things that hurt us. So if you've been hurt through spirit expressions, you want to run from it. But the Lord will never hurt you. Man will hurt you. Man and women will manipulate, manipulate you. The Lord will never do so. We're talking about his presence. And you can put, it's not in your fill in the blank, but you can put parenthetically and his word. Because his word is connected to his presence. You, you don't separate the two. There's problems when you do. That's why most Sundays, most Sundays in recent months, in the last three to four months, the worship team and I, we've really worked at including scripture within our worship time. Because the word and the presence don't need to be separated. They go together. Because John chapter 1 tells us that the word is God. The word of the Lord is God. The word is God. And so we don't separate the word and the presence. They come together. They are one. So when we talk about his anointing reign, and we'll, we'll see this more clearly in, in scriptures, just a little, little more in this message, it's talking about his word too. I just believe that I know this. You know, we're trying to frame the times up here. And Doug did such a great job at, at sharing Psalms 23 with us. And, we, and when our worship leaders speak, you know, we'll often try to frame where we are um, in our everyday life and talk about, you know, the economy's rough and this is a time of valley. And, and that helps us frame where we're at. But can, can I tell you this is that we need in these times and in these days his presence is what we need. We need a touch of His presence. We always need that. But I think that we are learning as people, like never before, we are desperate for Him. You know, And that's what I want to point your hearts to. I want to point your attention to. I want you to, to come to services here at the church at Indian Lake and leave here just wanting God more and thirsting for Him more and desiring Him more. Having... Saying, God, I need for you to touch my soul because I want you. I don't want an experience. I want you and who you are. Let's talk about characteristics of rain. These are characteristics. I just started writing down what are characteristics of rain. And then, then the scripture revealed itself to us. And rain comes from the Lord. That's our first point we're having. Rain comes from the Lord. 
Um, anybody go skiing this winter? Like snow skiing? Oh, man, economy is bad. <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. Now, Lori did, didn't you? Okay, you're trying to be anonymous there. Um, I love snow skiing. Uh, that's one of the few benefits of being a youth pastor is you get to go snow skiing every couple of years. Just joking, David. Being a youth pastor is great. Um, and haven't been, I haven't been uh, skiing in quite a while, but uh, there's a place called Paoli Peaks in southern Indiana. Never knew that you could go snow skiing in southern Indiana. Did anyone else know this? Well, here's how you do. They have to make fake snow. And um, a couple hours into snowing, this fake snow is like cement. I mean, it is rough, rough stuff. But you've been to, uh, if you've been snow skiing before, most of the season, throughout the season, they'll have to produce snow. So I've seen that happen. And we've also seen irrigation here at the church property. We irrigate uh, the uh, islands around the church. And this is a shameless plug for all you guys get ready for mowing season in March. You guys ready to go? No hallelujahs or amen. Okay, all right, well, we'll start praying. But we irrigate the yards, and so we know a little bit about irrigation and stuff like that. But I've never seen yet anyone be able to reproduce, any man be able to reproduce just a saturating rain. I mean, an all-encompassing rain. A rain that touches everything in the area. We can irrigate our grass, we can create fake snow, but rain truly comes from God. And when God set his covenant with his people, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, he talked about the blessing that was going to be in the new land. He said, the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. I guess they had their own irrigation system. But the land which you cross over to possess in the land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Now look at verse 13. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine, and your oil. That part of the covenant God said when he moved people into the promised land was that it's going to be a land that's going to have a lot of rain so that you can harvest and good things could come. And there's a sense of understanding in the Hebrew mind that rain is a gift from God. It's a, it's a blessing from God. It's chosen from him. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said it this way in verse 45. He causes his son to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Rain comes from God. It's a gift from God. Man's not been able to duplicate that. Now, some of you have some kind of weird sci-fi magazine out there, and, and that'll be a fun email to get. So I'm sure maybe you could prove me wrong, but by and large, uh, rain can't be reproduced by man. When I talk about God sending an anointing rain, I don't know about you. But I am ready to know God is moving, that it's not man-manufactured, but it is from heaven. It is sent by him. It is his hand, his voice, his activity, his reign. Isn't it wonderful when we know that we know that we know that God has done a work? 
that God has moved, that God has touched us. In the back of our mind, we don't have to wonder if, if uh, this has been manipulation or we don't have to wonder if this was psychological suggestion or if this was some kind of hit, hypnotic trick. We know that we have been touched by God. That's what his word will do. When we're people of his word, his word will touch you and you'll experience his presence in a new way. I thank God that he uses men and women. And we can look, you can look through the Bible and, and there's names in the Bible. Do you understand that? We know the name of Noah, of Abraham, Isaiah. So there is some recognition. But I am concerned that in the contemporary American church you and I live in, man is getting too much glory. Women of God are getting too much credit. That thing, which is the, the, the move that is holy and divine and of God, that which you can't purchase with money, that which you can't explain, it's intangible, it's a touch of God. We want to always give glory to this person and credit to this person. And frankly, I hear more people talking about pastors and evangelists and Christian personalities than I hear them talking about Jesus. It's a subtle deception. I know that we need to honor men and women of God. And this church, y'all have honored Beth and me so much with expressions of love and words of encouragement. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it crosses the line and man's getting the glory for what belongs to God. A, a lady's getting the credit for only what God can do. But when God sends his reign and his anointing reign, he is the only one who gets the credit because people know this is from him. Only he can do this work. Only he can accomplish this purpose. Rain is temporary. That's one of the things that is interesting about rain. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 3 says, If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. Rain comes for a season. Deuteronomy chapter 28, I love this whole passage, verse 12 and 13. It it tells us the point I'm trying to make, but it will also encourage us. The Lord, verse 12, will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the command of the Lord your God, that I will give you this day and carefully follow them you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. God gives us certain time periods and certain, I believe this, dispensations and eras and seasons of unusual blessing. And I want you to understand this because this will keep you from being disillusioned. I believe that rain is temporary. Rain is temporary. God will send his rain. And so when the man of God has spoken over us and says, I'm going to send an anointing rain, I believe that there's a season that that will come. I don't know when it is. I'm not going to try to make it happen. We're just going to believe God for it. It's going to be a season that's going to come. And it's a seasonal rain. Because rain doesn't last forever. If rain lasts forever, there's a problem. Let's think about this for a second. In the natural, when it rains and rains and rains and rains and rains, it floods. There's too much. It, it stunts growth. Isn't it interesting this, that rain is interesting because rain is designed to bring refreshing and to bring life. Rain replenishes life. But when there's too much rain, 
the very thing that brings life and refreshment can cause death. Isn't that a remarkable, remarkable fact? And in the spiritual life, I believe sometimes God will send a rain. He'll send a dispensation. He'll send an era. And then that time period passes and we learn from that. We gain wisdom and we deposit things in our spirits. But it's time to move on. It's time for the sun to come out. It's time for growth to occur in a new way. But the problem is this, is when the rain stays too long, the very thing designed to bring life brings death. That's why I believe so many moves of God are special dispensations of his grace in the bad. Isn't that sad? You know, there's a healing revival and God's doing something great. And then you find out, that the leadership of that, they're not living right anymore. Or there's a, there's a new move of blessing coming on a church and then that church is corrupted because they mismanage money and they get caught up in materialism. God wanted to prosper and bless them so they could bless the nations. And that reign of prosperity and blessing comes on their life, but it turns inward and they want to hold on to that reign and it causes it to go bad. So I think it's, it's interesting for us to know and understand that rain comes from our season, then retreats, and then comes again in God's timing. Three, rain saturates everything. Rain saturates everything. And I tell you, one time when probably the worst thing I ever did to Beth, one of the worst things I ever did to Beth. Okay, it's not confessional time. That's a bad way to start a story, isn't it, Pastor David? Yes, wise Pastor David. He's just shaking his head. Oh, he's like, he did it again. We were, we were on a trip one time, and there's a couple of pastor friends of mine. They're about 10 years older than me. They're kind of like older brothers. And they said, hey, let's go to lunch. And we were at a big convention in downtown Denver. And I was like, man, this is great. I was a little bit starstruck. I was like, these guys want to hang out with me. So I got where the restaurant was, and... Um, as we got on the public transportation, they had these little, were they like little railway car, uh, uh, little, uh, she didn't want to remember this, but they were uh, the public transportation. And we got to where I thought the intersection was, and we got out and it began to rain a little bit. And I, and Beth said, Aaron, this is ridiculous. I do not want to get out of this uh, trolley or whatever it was. And you go to the restaurant. I was like, oh, no, the restaurant's right here. So we went to that corner, went that corner. Then we went to the next. Then we went to the next. And I'll never forget, we walked into that restaurant, And uh, the wives of these guys looked at Beth, and then they looked at me like, you horrible person, because we were drenched in just all-saturating rain. Um, Did I tell that story right? Oh, and Abby was with us, too. I forgot about that part. Okay. When rain comes, it saturates every part, and it saturates everything. That when the, when, when the rain comes, whether or not you're outside or in the car, you've got to make some kind of provision for it. You know, uh, whether it's a umbrella or uh, windshield wipers, or whatever. Rain touches everything. It saturates everything. And when I believe God's going to send His rain upon our church, I believe it can touch every area of our church, every person. I believe that our children, that's been proclaimed over them, that God is changing our hearts towards children's ministry. We have a fantastic children's ministry. I cannot speak more highly of our children's staff. I could not. But I believe that God is revealing to us that within that age group, that tweener age group, that 9 to 12 year old, 4th through 6th grade, it's time to get busy with letting them find out the ways of God. And perhaps God's calling you to be a participant in that. 
believe in our youth ministry. Our youth ministry had a, a measure, and God touched our teenagers spiritually last year in a great way. I think greater rain's going to come. When rain comes, it saturates all of us, and it's going to touch the whole church. And that rain is His Word. That rain is His presence. And God is calling us in to proclaim His Word more clearly and to teach His Word more clearly. Look at Deuteronomy 32, 1 and 2. It says, Listen, O heaven, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on the new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. We need the Word. Do you understand that? I just want to speak something in your life. You need the Word of God. You do. The attitude that Christians have today that, you know, I've heard plenty of preaching and I've read the Bible so many times. How foolish, how arrogant to think that you don't need the Word of God. You don't need exposure to that. I believe the enemy wants to cause pride to come in our lives. It causes us to not receive the Word, to not be exposed to the Word, to not be people of the Word. You know, can I tell you that I don't care who is speaking. When the, when the Word of God is open, I can learn something. I can grow. I can benefit. Because His Word comes and His Word changes us. And that is part of His reign. Teaching, discipleship, training, scripture memorization, application, understanding. We need these things. You understand that? You need that. And I just want to just speak that into your life. I don't know if this is just a general rebuke for some of you or not. Is that don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant to say that you don't need regular exposure to Scripture. Because His Word and His presence is the rain that He's going to bring. I believe God's people, we're weak. Let's be honest. We're weak people. We're malnourished. That's part of the problem. Because when we're not receiving the Word of God, we get malnourished. And here's the problem. When you're malnourished and you stop eating well and you're not eating properly, you know what happens? You lose your appetite. Some of you don't have an appetite for God anymore. You care less. Church is irrelevant. Boring. Scripture has no life. You're malnourished. You lost your appetite. Can I just say, let the milk of the Word bring your appetite for God back. And then move on to meat and move on to things that nourish you and to make you strong. So glad the leadership of our church believes in this. Next Monday, I'm going to start a new program. I'm going to go several times this year to Southeastern University in Florida. I'll be working with Dr. Galden, and, and he has a program that he's part of where they bring in some of the greatest professors and pastors in the nation and take about 20 people a year and our leadership board approached me and asked me if I would go through that program, and it was a dream come true for me because at the end of this year, I'll have to go to Florida several times this year. I will miss no Sundays. I'll miss a few Wednesday nights. But at the end of this year, December, if I can pass, I'll have my master's degree in uh, ministerial leadership. And I'm so glad that our leadership board, they believe in improvement, and they believe that they're setting a pace. They're setting the culture for our church that we all need to grow from the top down. Not that I'm better than you, but I'm talking about positionally top. I need to get better. I need to know his word better. And you too. And that's not being mean, but it's just the reality. I just want to pastor a people that are hungry for the Bible. 
You know, you know that there's been a, a, a great drift in in what pastors do. You know, pastors used to be back in, in in the Middle Ages up to the 20th century theologians. They'd study they, they'd study the Bible and they'd study theology. Martin Luther and John Wesley and Charles Finney, theologians. Theology was the prince of the academic disciplines, and then. Preachers in the 20th century have become CEOs. We're running organizations. And we're managers and we're managing the organization. And then, now, in this decade, preachers are entertainers. And there's a lot of pressure. I need to make you laugh, have something fly behind me. Woohoo, let's have fun, let's get our hour with God. Listen, I can't be, I, I can't be an entertainer can't be an entertainer. And if I wanted to be CEO, I'd go somewhere else to do that. God's called me to be a pastor and to lead you to Him so you can feed on Him. Not so you can say Aaron's entertaining or funny or Aaron, he's a tough leader. Poor boy. He's got the iron fist, man. That guy runs a tight ship. All those things might be effective and there's a measure of those that I won't deny and I, and I won't won't try to improve in, but I want you to grow and be hungry. And when we come into the service, we're like, what does God have to say? What does the word have to say? Not how long is this going to take to get through? You know, let's not look for entertainment. Let's look for nourishment of the soul so that we can be strong in the Lord. So we can be strong in His name, strong in His power, so that we can take this city for God. Didn't you love the song we proclaimed earlier? Oh man, you're the God of this city. You're the Lord of this nation. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things have yet to be done. You know, if you're always just looking at the standards of the world, things are getting worse. They, I mean, there is negative attrition here. Things are getting worse. But as God's people, it just gets better. And when we focus on Him and we, we want to grow in Him and we want to seek after Him, we can be a redemption center. We can be a group of people of optimism and hope and new life and new prosperity and new blessing because we're looking to Him. And He's our source. Wouldn't it be great if people just, as they walk in this room, their spirits are just lifted because Jesus is magnified. Come on, you are part of it. You understand that? Your hunger, your desire, your thirst for God, you're a part of it. We're a community. So what we do up here and what you do out there, they come together. They are in connection with one another. Isaiah 55, 9 and 11. He says this, Isaiah 55, oh man, you're going to love this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and make it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Look at verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is God speaking. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. Let me ask you this. What's your plan to know the, the word better this year? Because if you, you know, th- that's, are, do you have a Bible reading plan? 
I'm just, just a simple question. There's no condemnation in this. There really isn't. I can help if you don't have one. Okay, you missed your first four days. Bible reading plan. Oh, I'm going to give up the next 361. Can I tell you that one-year Bible has brought more condemnation on Christians than anything in the world? Yeah, I love the one-year Bible, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. We miss like three or four days. We're like, oh man. But get a plan. Get into the Word every day. Listen, what I give you on Sundays and Wednesdays is not enough. It's not enough. You got to learn to feed yourself. Get a plan, whether it be five verses a day or six verses a day. Whether it is the, the one-year Bible, that is a great tool that I've used many years of my life. I have a Bible reading plan that I use through a, the, the Navigator program that I'm committed anew to doing that this year. What is your plan? Make yourself strong. You know, Rain, a couple more things before we close. Rain is messy. <laughs> That's the other thing about rain. It's messy. It brings life and refreshment. But if you want a neat, tidy unwrinkled life just clean and always then you may miss his reign everything wants to be tidy and comfortable if you want a safe comfortable predictable church we may miss his reign sometimes that's what we want but I'd rather have him than predictability I'd rather have him than comfort I'd rather have him than safety because the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run, run to and find a refuge. Another thing that Kent said that when I listened to I'd forgotten about, but I thought it was so good. He asked, how many of you were, were stinky before you came to know the Lord? And he must raise your hand and said, well, guess what? Stinky's coming to your church. <laughs> hey, if we want this, there's plenty of country clubs out there, people. You know that? Pay your membership and go with people that look like you, act like you, dress like you, talk about things you want to. There's plenty of those around. But the church is a hospital for the sick. The church is a redemption center. The church is a place where racial divide and where age divide and gender divide, they nationality divisions are a race because we are one people under the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what? God will sin if we want to be all God wants us to be. That rain's going to be messy, but it's going to be wonderful because the rain is this. Here's number five. It's necessary for life and growth. If this rain doesn't come, there's, there's no life, there's no growth. Isaiah 45, 7. Isaiah chapter 45. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Verse 8, rain down you heavens from above and let the skies, I love this, pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. Talking about springs. So let the sky rain down righteousness and let the earth, let springs of salvation come up. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. We started out this in worship today, Hosea 6.3. The verse that just means a lot to me this morning because it's my prayer. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. How many believe that?
Ausilbra. 